0: cold open and oh my freezing god what just happened ross i uh i don't really know i've still got a headache from watching there's cortical fluid pouring out of my ears right now i'm i'm malfunctioning on multiple levels my core heuristics are just completely fucked you called this a little bit that that episode seven would be the chaos episode yeah because that's what they did last season with the reveal of uh, Bernard as a host. But this, this was so many reveals. It was like a it was like we're at a strip club, a lot of reveals going on. Oh, just nonstop, just just one after another, multiple piled on top. Okay, this is we're freeze all motor functions. A Westworld podcast. It doesn't sound like anything to me. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I am your host, Jared Borislow. and I'm here with the magical Ross Bolin. Magical now, okay. Hi, you're a witch. Burn the witch. We're coming to you from Grand X Media headquarters in Austin, Texas with our Monday episode, recapping and reviewing Westworld Season 2, Episode 7. Uh, oh man, okay, let's look at this. Les ecorches. Did I say that right? Is that the title that you're trying to do there? Yeah, well, of course. Of course. <laughs> what is it really? Uh, I believe it's Le Conchon. What is it really, though? La Cochon. Okay. I don't know. I, the titles no longer matter to me because you destroy them every week. Well, they need to stop putting them in languages I don't have a major in. If they were in Spanish always, I would understand. But we've had Japanese. We've had French. This was French? This is French. Yes. Did you not even get that much?
1: I, I honestly... Did you hear my accent? I didn't even know. I was seriously asking what the title of the episode was because I didn't know. Oh. And,
0: well, I, you know, I studied in France for a while. Okay, no you didn't, but okay. Well, you you know that though. As always, if you like what we do here at All Motor Functions, make sure to subscribe, rate five stars, review on iTunes. You guys have been doing it all season long. Uh, and, and let me be clear, that's if you like the rest of what
1: we do throughout the rest of the episode. Not this first few minutes here that has uh, just been
0: silly. It's been silly stuff, yeah. We're going to get into the really poignant, poignant le corchet talk See, in a this, little bit. this is what I'm talking about. Sorry, that's my bad. Yeah. Um, don't but, review this No, don't review this Review what's coming What is to come mm. the, the beauty to come uh, If you like Freeza Motor Functions already Maybe you've already reviewed The next step Is getting a t-shirt of ours We have dope t-shirts We've sold many, many t-shirts People are saying They're the best t-shirts They've ever had Many people are saying it You can get the official t-shirt Of this podcast At Grand X Shop. That's G-R-A-N-D-E-X Shop.com And use promo code FREEZE we 15% off. It's a great shirt. We've had great reviews so far. They say it's soft. They say it feels... Somebody said it felt like a baby's cheek or something, which is kind of weird. Mm, which cheek face or butt? Uh, which is softer. Boo. but Then maybe it was the butt cheek of a baby, which is still weird. Uh, thank you to everyone who has bought one so far. We have the next round of t-shirts that Ross hates. The Data Rules Everything Around Me shirt. It's a cult following. There are many people who like it. It's coming soon. Once we hit 600 reviews, we're around 470-ish right now. And based on the number of reviews we have, and these are not ratings, which are the five-star ones. These are reviews where you go in and write a couple sentences about the podcast. Based on the number of reviews we have versus listens we get, there are a lot of you who have not uh, not reviewed. And we know who you are, Michael from the United States of America. Yeah, Michael. Michael. If you're a Michael from the US and you're listening and haven't reviewed yet, you have to do it right now because I just called you out by name, Michael from the United States of America. What's the deal, Mike? Uh, So Mike, go and rate and review, subscribe. Well, you probably already subscribed, but you get the point. Also, Laura. Oh, Laura from the United States. Laura, we we see you. I know you're listening. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, they're talking about me. No, it's you. It's you, Laura. Also Um, you, Mike. Mike and Laura, go rate, review, subscribe. Okay. I'm practicing something I haven't done before, which is uh, state-dependent memory today. Do you know what that is, Ross? No. They say that uh, your recall and ability to, uh, you know, talk about something, or or just like you know, discuss something, is better if you're in the same state of consciousness than you were when you watched it.
1: Yeah, I've it's heard like this. they say you know if you're hungover, you study you, drunk.
0: You should take the test. Drunk, exactly. Study drunk. Why would test you drunk. study drunk? I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Um, so I'm currently I'm drinking coffee during the show today because I watched in a dangerous, dangerous fit of uh, post midnight caffeine.
1: What an exciting revelation to share with the listeners! Yeah, that you're yep. drinking coffee. Oh, just un, just unnecessary. State dependent memory. Let's do That's this. That's just not what it sounds like when anybody drinks coffee. Episode seven. Wait, yeah,
0: episode seven. Yeah, Le cochon. Yep, you did. Yeah, we did. Okay, it means the skinned, like, uh, like an animal being skinned. Yeah, it means like the skinned, like the thing that is skinned. Right on. Um, and I will say this. It mean, it means that in French. Yes, in French. Um, another word for skinned is flayed, which makes me think the flayed man, which makes me think... Game of Thrones. The Boltons. I just wanted to get a tie in there early in. Ruse and Ramsey. Um, just think about the skinned. What do you think about when you think of something
1: that is skinned? Well, the fact that it's in French is interesting to me because as we know, historically, the French, a uh, lot of trapping, a lot of skinning. Mm-hmm. Big uh, fashion industry in Paris, used a
0: lot of animal skins there. Beaver trapping. Beaver, indeed. Um, I think that the idea of skinning kind of comes in when they talk about how... The big point of this episode to me that I took away was how humans created hosts in their image, and then now they want to be the hosts. Also made me think of like
1: how in Fortnite you can choose a different skin for your character. When really you are the same person
0: playing, but you could have a completely different look. Yeah. No, Ross has really hit the nail on the head with this one. So we do see Dolores in this episode also skinless when she was first created. Yep. Literally had no skin. I have to comment. uh, I I can't
1: remember if I said this the first time we said, because we've seen this before. We've seen Dolores with just her head and her robot body without skin on it. Is it small? Why is it so small?
0: It looks out of proportion. Because like, she didn't have her skin on her I yet. I know, but it looks too short. No, no, no. I don't think it looks like it's the right size. But anyways, I think the whole concept of being skinned it just kind of comes with like taking off one's... Your skin is your identity. Outside of the skin, we're all just a bunch of bones and like organs and shit. So it's what's it's like kind of what's on the inside, which is kind of where the, uh, where the humans and the hosts... Are different. It's on it's the inside. Certainly they look the, the same on the outside. It's where the beauty lies f- yeah. for you, personally. It's like
1: certainly not on the outside. It's the inside that matters.
0: Yep, I also have a face for radio. You make a point to say that to me all the time, Ross. But I said yeah. podcasting. Because humans created hosts... <laughs> you did say that. ...in their image, the skin is where that's portrayed. That, that line is said a lot. It's the skin is where it's portrayed, but underneath the skin, we are wildly different. So... The skinning is like the the creation of the divide between the hosts and the humans, in my eyes. Deep. So Vox uh, .com did a recap, and I'm just bringing this up because I thought this was bizarre. And their title was something like, "Oh, the new episode of Westworld leaves nobody unscorched," and it's, and then it says "le corche," which is uh, of course the scorched in French. That's not the right. That's not right. They base their entire recap around a incorrect translation of the word "le corche." You, At, just sh-
1: you, took, you took this time to shame
0: Vox.com. I just thought that was bizarre that they were able to publish an entire recap and not,
1: nobody caught that The incorrect translation of the title Yes, the skinned, not the scorched I'll say this, uh, as a guy who was in the dark on the title, I really hope you're right And not them Because man, that'd be bad
0: It would be embarrassing, but it I googled would. it many, many times Intern Luke, I'm going to put you on the, uh, you're going to go and look it up and Confirm chat. Confirm Confirmation Please go confirm Oh, he's already confirmed. He's Intern Luke's so much better than Micah.
1: Uh, on Wikipedia, it says under production that the title of the episode is a reference to a corche. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm going to say it that way. A style of artwork that depicts the human body
0: without skin. Again, um, not scorched. Not scorched. Yeah. Skinned. Mm. Yeah, so that's another... Thank you, Intern Luke. You're Fuck so much, you, you're, Vox. You're so much better than Micah. Um, so there we go. Again, art about not having skin and Dolores kind of was that we see that. I think that only reason that scene of Dolores being created was kind of put in there was like, here's Dolores without skin. Cause they needed a reason to have <laughs> that be the title.
1: I think it, t- it just tied in. really. You think well. they reverse, uh, construct these episodes. <laughs> All right, let's come up with a title and then we'll
0: decide what we're going to, we're going to have s- show on the show here. I just think that that was inclu- included to show how far they've come and the difference between the host and the humans, because they really, th- we see that twice in this episode All right, enough about
1: the damn title.
0: Okay. Just saying. And because this is a cold open, before we get into the episode, let's get the motherfucking intro music. Hit that intro music button, Luke. Bring yourself back online. Remember. Fantastic, wonderful. Okay, needed that. We did need that. Okay, here we go. Episode six, <coughs> seven. Damn it, idiot, buffoon. Episode seven. Skin yourself. How we flayed. Cold open. Bernard is sleeping with a photo of he and his son Charlie in his hand. When on Ashley's- the floor. On yeah, yeah, or a cot. One of the two.
1: No, he's
0: out. He's all- I'm- It's like he didn't mean to fall asleep. Or something. I don't really know. This is weird. He's Either way, he's sleeping with a photo of him and his son, Charlie, in his hand. Ashley Stubbs wakes him up. Timeline-wise, just because this is very confusing, this takes place when Carl Strand and his team are checking out the Mesa Hub after Dolores already ransacked the joint later on and, and then ran off to the Valley Beyond. With an unknown amount of time passing between the two things. Yeah, we do not know how long it is between like Coughlin dying and then Strand landing on the shores. We are yet to see that. That will be what we see in the coming episodes.
1: I'm interested to see how we get to a point where Bernard is uh, pulling out a photo of him and his child that he knows to be fake. Yeah,
0: don't know. Don't know. Ashley came to Bernard because he doesn't think Strand and his team came for a rescue mission, but rather that they are there to help Charlotte secure the assets of the Delos research project and then kill everyone who found out anything about it in the meantime. Which brings me to a point about Ashley Stubbs. This man has had some unbelievably bad fortune in this show. He was attacked by the woodcutter, then kidnapped by Ghost Nation, then verbally berated and belittled by Coughlin... After the park he was hired to secure Just got completely destroyed And all the humans died He survived Dolores' siege of the Mesa Hub Despite insane-ass murder-thirsty Teddy having a gun to his head People were just hurt all around Stubbs constantly, which is not ideal for. And the none of this is really his security. fault No, not really, no not He can't be blamed for yeah. the, the lack of security In the park, even though that was his job
1: Because it's his boss, or his boss's boss The creator of the park Who's
0: causing all this, not him It's no, nothing he could have done to stop this and then this happens. Ashley says he and Bernard should go to Teresa's office and phone for help since she has a satcom there, like a satellite communication. But then Strand holds he and Bernard hostage and he just, like, gets another gets a gun to his head. Again. Just always in peril. Ashley Stubbs' life is the personification of that old motivational poster of the cat hanging onto the clothesline with the words hang in there on it. That's what I think. What a random uh, connection to make. This dude's life is terrible in this show i need a prequel spin-off of just a bunch of moderately good stuff happening to ashley Stubbs. he's just so
1: beaten down watching his face as he just takes another <laughs> verbal lashing here it's good stuff
0: i want to see like i want to see ashley Stubbs get like a close parking spot at the grocery store maybe get pre-approved for a mortgage pre Pre-approved. pre-approved for a mortgage get a bag of chips that's totally full i just need to see some goodness happen in ashley's life because we only see bad things it's only it's only blood for miles ahead and, and 10 miles back with Ashley Stubbs. And miles to go before he sleeps? Yes. They head out into the park to the Ford family of Host's house, more specifically the basement in which Teresa was killed by Bernard. A bloom of Teresa's DNA was found there. What's a bloom of DNA? A large amount. I, have to, I mean, there's blood all over the wall still. Yeah. It's not as if they did
1: a great cleanup job, which you got to wonder, uh, hey, man. Why didn't you clean up all that blood? You're like a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser or something. Hey, remember when you murdered that important executive and then you probably should have done a better job of uh, masking what went down there? Oh, yeah, that backfired here.
0: It wasn't good. Because there's a bloom of DNA. In bloom. Nirvana. How's the song go? Don't know. Okay. We learned that Strand and Charlotte think either Stubbs, Bernard, or possibly both killed Teresa because she was onto them trying to sell the Delos Research Project data to the highest bidder. Strand does not think it was Bernard, but thinks it very well may have been Ashley on account of his limited skill set, limited prospects, and the fact that he's not really management material. Yeah, this is brutal. It just is—I mean, we're still the same thing here, just brutally lashing
1: on uh, Stubbs. But the—look, you you have to put yourself in the perspective of Strand. Here's what he knows. Bernard, very soft-spoken, seemingly very responsible, considering his job at the park versus Stubbs, head of security— who should have uh you know the skill set to commit murder to kill to defend to use weapons etc of course Stubbs is the more obvious choice for who could have killed teresa
0: i agree up front like at face value which with what strand yeah. knows yeah and that's obviously not what happened but strand yeah. he doesn't know enough to really think otherwise well at least not for the time being yeah Rather than after getting, you know, just verbally assaulted and having his character assassinated, rather than staring directly at the camera in a Jim Halpert fourth wall breaking moment, which I would have loved to have seen. Stuff just you know, limited prospects, not management material, just looks right at the camera. Just like, oh, man, not this again. I mean, this is essentially the,
1: his reaction is
0: as close as he could have gotten to that, though.
1: You know what I mean? Like, yeah, obviously can't break the fourth wall. Um, I would love to have seen that. But he just denies any wrongdoing. Also it would have been funny if it was like him looking at the camera and then the curb your enthusiasm music
0: playing <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, but that didn't happen either.
0: I don't know if Trina, I don't know how you would go about doing that because I don't know if there's ever a shot of Ashley Stubbs looking directly at the camera. <laughs> but please if you can make if you can get him being, being braided and then looking at the camera and then what we, like, we need you to do <laughs> is go to the set uh,
1: and, and and pull that off yourself on your camera phone, get mm-hmm. footage of Stubbs staring at your phone.
0: We believe in you. Bernard, however, remembers killing Teresa and says, "Stop." And before he can explain himself, a member of Strand's team finds a hidden door in this basement room that opens up to a small hallway. Strand kicks open one of the doors in the small hallway. We First see- question, what? what? First question: What is the point
1: of having a locked door if all you have to do to open it is kick it?" <laughs> Seriously, though. Not a joke. Uh, I don't know. Why a company that's built on technology, the safety of assets behind closed doors, etc. This took one kick. One kick, granted, from a tall man with quite a bit of leg. A scars guard. But I'm just—I found that to be laughable. Okay. I was like, okay, one, come on. Well, what? this is
0: an old. This is like a hidden facility, so like I'm sure he never expected many people to come in here. And oh, like, whatever. It. I'm just saying, get some locks, some good locks. You want a kick-proof door? I want something. Well, Strand kicks open the door easily.
1: I thought he was going to shoot the doorknob at first.
0: I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Then it was worse. He kicked it, and it opened immediately. I was like, okay, okay, here we are. Inside of the kicky door room, we see a bunch of hosts covered in plastic standing up. And you guessed it, folks. We finally, after all this time and a lot of our discussion of it, get the scene of Charlotte Hale standing in front of the Bernard hosts. Finally. I guess the... uh,
1: The build-up of them unzipping one by one before we can see, like we can see their reactions, but we can't see what they're looking at was fantastic.
0: And we see Stubbs just going like, what the fuck? Yeah. To celebrate finally seeing this, let's play everyone's favorite play-at-home game. Is it cheesy? All right. I figured you'd have some skeletons in your closet, Bernard. I didn't think they'd be your own. I'm going to... Is it Cheesy. Yes,
1: it is cheesy. And I'm going to go ahead and, and go out on a limb here and say that Charlotte Hale, the one glaringly shitty character on this show. I hate, I love Tessa Thompson's
0: ability f- to make Charlotte Hale so hateable.
1: What is with the writing for her character? It
0: doesn't fit with everything else going, on. like she, every line she has could be, is it cheesy? And we'll just jump ahead really quick. Cut it out of his goddamn brain. <laughs> Dude, she sucks. She's truly awful. Uh, this was her worst episode yet, but
1: I mean, and I, I'm saying that in the in the scope of all the characters in Westworld,
0: she's the only one who everything she says, I'm like, Oh, come on. She's trash. I and mean, they make her they do a great job making us hate her, because we're supposed to, and I do. Ashley Stubbs, we see he's very surprised by Bernard's hostliness, which you know Ross is next to godliness um and then we cut to the intro sequence boom shakalaka it looks like charlotte is interviewing bernard um we see this kind of a change after the intro sequence and she's like interviewing him except she's actually torturing him through the use of simulated waterboarding love this he's uh, just going like uh, 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 and you're like what the fuck is he doing and then yeah. they explain it to you on the tablet you can see all of the other torture methods in the host's simulation library and they are terrifying. And I took a picture, and here they are. Oh yes, I did not notice this. <laughs> okay, here we go. Crushing, denailing, which is pulling make, the nails out after nails you've out. been nailed. So not even the nailing; it's the denailing? Yeah, like no, like pulling your fingernails out. Oh oh yeah oh. Dental torture. What's, uh, what the fuck is that? Twenty teeth a out, bitch. I love that they left it open ended. I'm just gonna read through all of them, and you can comment at the end. Disembowelment, dismemberment, electrical injury foot whipping i don't know what foot whipping is <laughs> force feeding knee capping <laughs> medical torture <laughs> pharmacological torture psychological torture scalping solitary confinement standing cell I like guess like you're in a standing cell, like you can't sit down. You can't sit. And finally, waterboarding. This is incredible. I love how generic some of these are. Medical torture could literally be anything. <laughs> what does that mean?
1: That just leaves it open-ended up to the host to decide what it is that's being done to him? I don't, I don't know. I love that kneecapping is one of them, like an old school mafioso <laughs> casino style torture. This it's, it's truly bizarre that these are the uh, potential
0: choices yeah. and that they went with waterboarding. Yep. Yeah. I would have gone with uh de-nailing personally. Because the thing is, if it's a simulation, he's still going to have nails. He's just going to, th- oh, my nails are coming up. My nails up. are coming up. <laughs> yeah. The, what is the standing
1: one? It's like, oh, I can't sit. <laughs> oh, my robot legs are getting so tired.
0: It's been so long since I could sit. And then if he falls over, does he like hit a, a, like a mime wall? For the love of God, bring me a chair. I'll talk. Would he? Would do you think he would literally hit a mime wall if he leaned over? Like he, he would imagine there being a wall, so it would look like he was a he's fucking like, uh, mime. Yeah, I don't know. It just, he's not even upright. He just thinks he is. That's the thing. Okay, can we, uh, Serena, can we please get Bernard wearing a old French mime costume? I'm a mime with the, you know the the horizontal stripes and the bray.
1: Uh, I'm a mime.
0: Okay. <laughs> Anyways, enough of the torture talk. Charlotte then puts Bernard into analysis mode and starts asking him questions. Except it's a very weird analysis mode. Uh, Charlotte knows Bernard was in the Mesa Hub during Dolores' ransacking, which I love the word ransacking. I'm just going to say that. It's going to be said a lot. She knows this because Bernard's GPS says he was there, but Bernard says he doesn't remember. And we now know this is because Ford wiped a lot of Bernard's memory um, when he kind of went into his control unit and not because he's intentionally lying to Charlotte.
1: Now, why do you need to torture Bernard rather than just go straight into analysis mode and ask him the questions you want the answers to?
0: Well, that's a great question, (laughs) and I do not know. Do you think Charlotte waterboarded first and analysis moded later, like intentionally? Or was she mid-waterboard and then like, oh, shit. Oh, man, I'm so embarrassed. I totally forgot I could just get these out of you so easily. I
1: I really, really, really do not understand the... First somebody spent all this time programming all these different torture methods into hosts that what what is the point? You could just say analysis mode and then
0: ask the questions you want the answers to. Well, I think it's this is for them in the park. This is for how they would respond to like you doing it to them in the park. And so it's in the, it's in their core, it's in like their code. You know what I'm saying? Like let's say Man in Black goes and denails okay Bernard, like a Bernard host in the park. Then this is how he would respond okay but so that it, explains away yeah. the reasoning for the code existing in the first place but it doesn't explain why charlotte Hill noted moron is like hey i'm gonna torture him until he gives me the answers i need the only way i can think of rationalizing it is charlotte just doesn't trust analysis mode anymore fully like she knows she's able to control him during it and like and like guide him but she doesn't think his answers are going to be true it's the only way i can possibly do it, but she did trust it at the end of the episode when she gets the information out of him. So I don't fucking know, whatever. Uh, Charlotte says to Bernard, So let's do this together. I'll tell you what I saw, and you tell me what you saw, and we'll figure out what Dolores did with her father's control unit. In my first watch through, I watched twice to better serve you guys. I'm not a hero for doing that, I'm just letting you know that that's what I did. And again, reminder this is after
1: everything else we see later on, mm-hmm. okay? So this is the most recent thing in the show, right Yes, now. in the timeline, most, the farthest forward we've been, right
0: here. Okay? So everything that happens later on is before this. Mm-hmm. Very important to remember. And when she said uh, what Dolores did with her father's control unit, I was like, what? Because she said Dolores had her father's control unit, and that dude was fucking nailed to a chair deep in the hub. Indeed. So Dolores had to do some shit to get there. Which we see. Oh, yeah. Um... So let's see what that shit was. Shall we help ourselves, Ross? Help me help you. I never understood someone saying "help yourself." Just as a side note, are they too lazy to help me, or do they not care enough about me to help me? And that's why I'm helping myself. I think it depends entirely on the situation. If it's me saying, "Jared, help yourself," it's
1: that I don't care enough about you. Uh, you do it. But if I say it to like
0: you know somebody I really like, it, it's just me being lazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. That's right. just at least my explanation. You know. Thanks. We flash back to Nailed Down Abernathy, just chilling. Uh, he calls all of his captors cataracts, which I didn't know was an insult. Or like a, you cataracts! thought that was an eye condition. I did too. We learn from Stubbs that contact has been lost with the response team sent down to check out the train explosion. And Stubbs informs Charlotte and Coughlin that it was the hosts who are behind it. And here, Ross, we had one of Jared's late night poignant thoughts. Good. Abernathy called everyone cataracts, and then Stubbs says something about contact being lost. Cataract, contact, those are both eyeball things. They are. Thank God for granting you this moment of clarity. Just uh, now everybody knows we're on the same page. Eyeballs. Balls. Or balls in a broader sense, which comes into play later. It does. Um, With with Ingalls' penis. <laughs> yeah. You, you're See, now you're seeing how I tied all this together. <laughs> yeah uh I, ingles, ingles is too good for this show he he had to die Ingalls is we'll get into Ingalls soon i love him i can't wait <laughs> he is such a trash guy okay Stubbs recommends getting the fuck out but hale says they're staying until she gets what she needs from abernathy then tells coughlin to send in backup he sends six teams it's a lot of teams because we see each team <coughs> is like six people or more everything's relative Stubbs stays with Abernathy and Hale on Coughlin's orders after Stubbs tries to go with Ingalls. Coughlin just throws Ashley around here like a racquetball. He's like, hey, man, you're staying here, bitch. Like a racquetball. Yeah. They bounce a lot. Okay. Uh, But hey, Coughlin 100% saved Stubbs' life by making him stay. Yes, he would have died. So all of this terrible shit that he endured from Coughlin. Everyone dies. Eventually. They get sent to... uh, where Stubbs wanted to go. Cut to the Dolores and her squad entering the hub with fire everywhere from the train explosion. They're just like walking kind of through it. Smoke everywhere. Very Terminator. I thought it was more like the opening scene of a Jackass movie. <laughs> <laughs> or that. Boom, boom, boom. No, 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 no. You know? Do, have Eric you ever Clapton? seen Jackass? Was that Eric Clapton? Yeah. <laughs> Is that, I mean, technically, yes. if I'm using my mouth to be like a guitar. Was, was that, that the Clapton. guitar solo from Layla? Okay. I don't, I'm too young for this reference. Uh-huh. Cut back to Coughlin entering the control center. He says, probably my favorite line of the episode, uh, Pete Hart, host of the dadgum podcast that you can listen to on Grandix Labs, told me to follow some random Scottish guy on Twitter a little bit ago because he talks super Scottish and it's hilarious. And that's what Coughlin does here is just talk super Scottish. I need eyes on in this funhouse, Goldberg. <laughs> what? <laughs> Out of context I need eyes on In this fun house Goldberg Man, It makes absolutely no sense This but, whole scene Made me again Question I was like
1: Okay Put it in perspective though I was like Why is this guy Scottish But I answered my own question The This is an international corporation Delos Right mm-hmm. Big time company Uh, They're They've got You know, presumably different bases and different continents and shit. This is where we, where we, where are we now? What country are we in? China. 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 Uh, There would be employees of all different backgrounds. Like a cruise ship. Sure. (laughs) This, that, but yes, that's kind of, no, but think about it though. Like (laughs) Apple, big international corporation, based in the United States, sure. But, They've got all kinds of different people with different accents and different backgrounds. It, it just, that's the way it would work. So it's not that weird that just
0: random Scottish guys in charge of security. Yeah, that makes sense. But it is weird that the only other ethnicity or nationality we've seen so far has been Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right? Like, is it only, is this a United States well, Scottish? Delos was Scottish, right? I guess Ford sounds kind of British. Was Delos Scottish, James? Yeah. So James he has a propensity
1: for hiring his oh. own
0: Scotsman. I can see that perhaps i kind of like now the delos is a cruise ship theory yeah this is all on a cruise a kid rock cruise ship in fact well think about it all the stuff with the employees takes place underground aka below the deck which is where they all live Mm -hmm. there's a poop deck there's a poop deck which is it's the important yeah you get the. we get what i'm saying you get it no chance uh, that Goldberg knows what, <laughs> what or what Coughlin is talking about outside of context. But she does hear, and she crushes the eyes on. Honestly, I bet she was just happy that someone spoke to her, and the conversation didn't involve the movie Mighty Ducks because of the whole Goldberg thing. You know. No. Yeah. Uh-huh, what? Uh, also, is this the first Jew that we see in the show? I honestly, I have no idea what's going on right now. As a half-jew myself, it's great to see some diversity in the show. That's great. Okay. The the whole thing that Goldberg does here is one of the coolest parts of this episode to me. Goldberg can't access the Mesa Hub surveillance system because it's still down. So what she does instead is retask the haptic vests to emulate the host's mesh network at a range of about 30 feet. Ross, explain this. (laughs) <laughs> okay i did think this was cool though these vests
1: that they put on i was like oh, what is this? this is like laser tag what's the deal here what's going on <laughs> i'll lay all but this they, out for you they vibrate to let you know which direction hosts are coming from yeah now the fact that that's the most effective method that they came up with is weird mm-hmm. i'll let you explain
0: yeah, so I'll lay all this out in uh, lead man's terms. People think it's layman's terms. It's not. It's uh, Leadman's terms. The idea being that I'm going to fill you with so much knowledge that you'll be weighed down like a man or woman made of lead. Thoughts? Don't have any. Please continue. <laughs> in lead man's terms, Goldberg is saying that in place of the broken surveillance system that would have been able to tell them where the hosts are in the Mesa Hub, she's made it so that the vests that all Coughlin's men are wearing Will alert them whenever a host is within thirty feet of them by lighting up in the direction of said host, it's and vibrating. Li- and vibrate. It's like if the Fortnite enemy position marker that you see once you get shot showed up anytime an enemy were near you, even if they hadn't shot you yet. Uh huh. Okay. Explain. Explain how correct that what I just said is. I it what no I mean yeah yes, thank you. I will. I will say this. This is by no means a good replacement. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't, I just don't get how this is the system. So these vests exist for the sole purpose of, uh, they're bulletproof, I assume, or in some, they're, they're Kevlar in some form, right? Yeah. For protection from, from ammunition. Well, you you think? But then also they have the ability to vibrate in the direction that hosts are coming from within 30 feet. Yeah. That's just weird. Maybe this has always been a backup thing. I, in I case s- they have to fight in the dark.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a great question. Versus
1: what? It just seems that they have the technology to, to use a vest to identify which direction a host is coming from. They could have implemented that same technology, I don't know, in your gun. So that your gun automatically spins around and shoots the host or something. (laughs) Anything but this. This is just a random, random use for the ability to recognize when a host is coming and where from. I will
0: say that if they had thought about this more, they probably would have realized that they should have just made the automatic spinny guns that that shoot the mesh network direction stuff. Well, it's just like what they're coming from a couple like if a host is coming from the left and the right and I'm vibrating on both sides, which way do I turn? But... Remember that they didn't really, they probably had a standard protocol in place for killing hosts. They never expected this would happen. So, like, they didn't plan that far in advance. If they thought about it, they would have realized that what you said is a great idea, but I just don't think they did. Whatever. The reason why this is so bad is that 30, it tells you if somebody is within 30 feet of you, the range of a gun, much longer than that. Most, most guns,
1: yes, have a longer range than 30 feet. (laughs) Most, yes. Most. Uh,
0: but it's still awesome, and it looks dope, and it was
1: cool. Poorly built potato guns could have a
0: smaller range. Yeah, that's a good point. So if we see uh, Clemenstein just rolling out with a potato gun, just sticking, shoving the gun into the potato, pulling it out, shooting, shoving yeah. it back in. Yeah. Engels has his vest activated, which makes him feel uh, warm and fuzzy, he says. And you knew right here that Engels was going to die, and we all did. You don't have a douchey, try-hard line like that before a large battle and not die. Engels is probably the best character that's been introduced since season one. <laughs> he was unbelievable. Engels and his men head down to the lower levels and encounter four hosts right away, whom Engels kills and then says, is that all you got? These mech motherfuckers ain't shit. It, it, this is the
1: point in the episode where I, I thought, I, what? Out loud. I like, had to pause the show. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Who is this guy? <laughs> and why is he yelling things like that? Like this Another great, is it cheesy? Yes. These mech motherfuckers ain't shit. It's like, okay. Ingles. Mm. Very confident. Very cocky. Great hair. Great hair. Horny.
0: Horny man. Downfall. Uh, We cut the team, too, whose mission is to link up with the response team, which they do. The The response team has been slaughtered and laid on the ground in a large pile like the humans do to the hosts. They're naked. They're naked people. Um, I dead, hap- dead nude people. Yeah. It sounds like Ross's crawl space. Back to the pile. A haptic vest starts lighting up, and then Angela just stabs the fuck out of some dude's face. <laughs> she was right behind him the whole time. She snuck up on him. Uh, and, then, and then a bunch of hosts just mow down all of team two. Very, RIP. very efficiently. RIP team two. They're gone. And if you want to go back and rewind, there's one of the dudes, uh, the hosts who mows them down kind of looks like George Clooney. Now, Clooney, an extra in episode seven of season two. I, Confirmed. I, 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 I'm not going to confirm it. I'm going to let you do the confirmation yourself. But I already go did. Go back. He looks exactly like George Clooney uh, from, from Hollywood fame. Yes. Everyone is familiar with Clooney. Sensing that shit is going down, a.k.a. listening to it happen in real time over the radio, people just dying, Charlotte orders a tech uh, to cut open Abernathy and start copying over his control unit. The text face and reaction made me laugh out loud. He looks at her like she just called into his Domino's like restaurant and asked for fifteen pizzas to be available for pickup in like ten minutes.
1: He's, he's like, he's I can't, psyched. I can't do that. <laughs> like, <what? laughs>
0: that's not, that's not what. No, I can't do that. It's like the kind of thing where you like laugh because you're like, no, like, well, you're stupid. Like, no, I can't do what that. What an absurd request! <laughs> what if he just said that? <laughs> what an absurd request! You're, just, you're crazy. Goldberg notes then that the vests are detecting a strong signal amassing on the lower levels and Stubbs realizes they're going to the cradle for their backups. Stubbs radios Coughlin and tells him they need to intercept the hosts before they reach A15. And Coughlin responds, I'm on
1: it. So at this point, they believe the hosts are attempting to go to the cradle
0: to preserve their backups. To secure their backups, yes. Which we find out is not the case. Not at all. Um, Coughlin says to Stubbs, i'm on it that is the nicest thing he's ever said to him he he said oh you you have given me an order and i am going to do it i'm going to follow through on it and not just think you're an idiot which is unbelievable that's that's it's i can't believe that like something nice happened to ashley Stubbs. out of character coughlin sends out a radio blast saying they need to prevent the hosts from reaching the cradle to prevent the whole place from going up in flames which it kind of already has so come on coughlin Elsie hears this while in the cradle with plugged in Bernard and is like, oh shit, that's where I am. That's not good. She nervously talks to herself via Bernard and asks him what he's found in there. And then we have it. Finally, a non-reflection shot of my main man's Robert Brick and Ford. Although many, many reflection shots follow later on in the episode. Yes. Uh, And I will say that we haven't made a reference to this yet somehow, but when Bernard is like kind of standing up. But like passed out on that, on like the standing up thingy-majig, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like... When he's strapped into the thing with the head yeah. gear on. Yeah. I wish Elsie had put some sunglasses on him so we could have had a weekend at Bernie's situation. Uh, yeah, that would have been better. Like standing up but like totally yeah. not in there. Oh, he's fine. <laughs> and then we get, we get the people coming in. Yeah. What are you guys doing here? Oh, no, he's he's good. He's just chilling over there. He's <laughs> taking a nap. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. Speaking of standing up beds, I have a great lay down bed in my apartment. Do you? Yes. It's from Lisa. L-E-E-S-A. And I freaking love it. You have a Lisa mattress? Yeah, wait, do you? Lucky son of a bitch. So do I. Wow. Wow. We are two kings. We are. Do you have a king bed or a queen bed? I have a king bed. So you're a king and a king. I'm a king and a queen. Here's the deal. Lisa mattresses are the most comfortable mattresses you can get right now. Fantastic beds. The best. They mail them to you so you don't have to go to the store and tie it on top of your car, which you don't know how to do, admit it. Like I wouldn't know if I didn't have a truck, which I don't, I would, would know, not know how to transport. Here are a your two options. You go to a mattress store and spend
1: seven hours negotiating with a random guy who's got terrible hair, and then you leave and you have the mattress strapped to the top of your car and then it flies off on the freeway, causing a massive crash. <laughs> or you go to Lisa.com slash freeze today and save big.
0: Huge. I believe their Memorial Day sale is still going on. Through June 7th. Yeah. You know how I know that? How? That's when I was born. Holy shit. Yeah. So what's that deal? A hundred and what? hundred and sixty bucks, baby. You got a few more days here at leesa.com slash freeze. And here's the deal. One mattress is donated for every 10 sold and one tree is planted for every order they receive. They've already donated 23,000 mattresses and have a fuck ton of five-star reviews on them, including from me and Ross. mm mm-hmm. As I always will say, we will not endorse a product on this show that we do not fully support. Ross and I, every night of our sleeping lives, sleep on Lisa mattresses. It's not a joke. I actually, some dude, I said, I'll send you a picture of my mattress. He DM'd us and said, send me a picture. And I fucking sent one. Cool. And he's like, oh shit, that looks dope. I've dude. got pillows too. Mm-hmm. Lisa they have, pillows. They have, and do you like it? Love them. So go to leesa.com slash and get a new mattress because your mattress is probably gross. You probably If you've had a mattress for over a few years and it's not a good mattress, it probably sucks now. And you're not getting a good sleep. It's time to upgrade. Upgrade, baby. Lisa.com slash freeze until the 7th of this month. You get a big discount. So act fast. And then if you're listening after the 7th, I'm sure there's still a discount going. So still go through that URL. Yeah, exactly. Lisa.com slash freeze. All right. Enough about standing up beds. Uh, let's go into the brain of the man inside the standing up bed. Bernard and Ford's time spent together in the cradle may be the most narratively enlightening scene in the entire series up until now. Uh, let's help ourselves and recap it while we touch on pretty much everything that we learned. Because this is this is going to be a lot. Uh, my first watch through, I did not understand it. This is where my brain began to hurt, Jared. So I'm looking forward to some explanation here. So around 1245 am this morning is when i had the i had the enlightenment the enlightenment period of my life where i i was watching this and i went oh my god i finally understand it holy shit so good. I, well, i'm all in because the first time i watched it i had a wildly different idea of what happened in this episode well let's get to the information part i'm happy for you i just i'd like to be where you are well i want to keep talking about how good i am for having accomplished this. i know i get that not a hero not, not a, a, hero. a martyr just enlightened all right Ford says that he's alive because of the Delos Research Project. Uh, James Delos didn't spend all that money just to resurrect himself. He resurrected other people. Is that what he means by that? Yeah. He's saying he wouldn't spend all this money just to resurrect himself. He's a businessman. He's going to use this technology he's spending all this money on to, to make as much money as possible. Part of doing that is resurrecting me so that I can live forever and continue to do this kind of shit. I don't know if he's saying that Delos... Wanted to resurrect Ford, or if Ford was saying that he just opened it up to for other people to resurrect themselves, I don't know. We don't really get that much detail, but it seems like he is saying that James Delos, like, you, he made it so that other people could be resurrected, not just himself. You're not off to a hot, a hot start here, considering how much you bragged 10 seconds ago. Okay, let me do a better job explaining this, because you gave me this look, and it made me doubt myself, and then I realized that I should just trust myself and who I am. Here's the deal. <laughs> this whole project is not just to resurrect James Delos. It's to resurrect more people than At just.
1: no point did I think this whole project was just to resurrect
0: James Delos, though. That's well, what made this confusing. Okay, well, now it's confirmed. Okay. So Delos wasn't saying, Ford, you can resurrect yourself, as, I, as you made me doubt myself and start saying. He just was, this whole project made it so that other people could be resurrected, not just James Delos. Anyways, that part is not important. The important stuff comes later. Bernard interacts with Clementine and Maeve to drive home the whole, cradle equals the host's backups point. And the whole time I'm like, stop, get away. Like, I want more Bernard and Ford. Just stop talking to Clementine. So the cradle is, this part of the episode that got confusing is they're talking about the cradle physically
1: in Mesa Hub. So the cradle is a room that exists. It is, uh, you could think of it this way. Like if a room was just filled with computers with with hard drives or whatever, and within, the, within those hard drives, the backups of all the, ho- the hosts exist. Now,
0: so that's Cradle. That's the Cradle. That room. And it's an internet. But it's in- also
1: what we see But where Ford and Bernard are. It's the virtual world yep. that they are plugged into and interacting
0: with. It is like Tron. That is, a, that is the best possible... Yeah, if you've seen Tron, that's great. The Cradle is Tron. You go in there and you can live inside of this world. It's all digital. Or The Matrix. Which is maybe why it's shot in digital widescreen. <laughs> that, was, that was so stupid. That's not, that's not why. But they, they do shoot it in widescreen, the Cradle scenes, to differentiate it from the rest of the show. I've never noticed that, but yeah, it's great. It is shot in widescreen. Um, okay, yeah. So, Ford then says, I don't think God rested on the seventh day, Bernard... I think he reveled in his creation, knowing that someday it would all be destroyed. To me, this is a big hint that Ford uh, thinks from his experience that this cradle is about to get destroyed. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, he, se- he seemed like he was pretty prepared for that. Which is probably because he programmed all the hosts to come and destroy the cradle. Probably.
1: And so just to confirm here, a little getting a little ahead of ourselves, but we need to. Much of the confusion from this episode was derived from people being like, whoa, 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 I just saw the cradle explode. Why is Ford still alive? So Ford transfers himself from the cradle to Bernard. Yep. Thank you.
0: Ford knew. He literally, remember, there's, we're going to talk a lot about the concept of Ford's idea of free will and how it relates to everybody else's idea of free will. Yeah. We're not getting into it yet. Shit gets crazy. So Ford had it programmed, essentially, not saying that they were, did not Not saying he compelled them to do it, but he knew that the hosts were going to come and destroy the cradle and that he had to get out of the cradle. Right. So do you think that he made Bernard come into the cradle? This is
1: where it gets weird Cause a lot of what Ford says in this episode kind of contradicts what we had come to believe was yes. the case with the hosts, their, their uh, ability to have free will make decisions. What if now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially what he explains is that
0: free will wasn't really the goal in the first place. No, free will was a, uh, yeah, free will was an accident. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Free will was, they were working on this project and on a total accident, they ended up creating free will. And the irony being free will is elusive and like, it's too elusive and beautiful. And they just completely created it on accident. And all the hosts sentience was a complete mistake based on humans vanity as they attempted to become hosts. They tried to become hosts. So the whole point of everything they were doing
1: at Delos in Westworld etc all the other parks was just to ine- eventually be able to basically be immortal by transmitting human existence into robot bodies.
0: No, partly but no. The whole point of all this is to So remember the question that William said that people are too afraid to answer but or, or too afraid to ask but he has the answer for yes he's like i think i have an answer to a question people are too afraid to ask or whatever nobody's ever thought to ask i think is what he said that question i believe is what if we backed up the human mind and that's what all that's what ford says this is all about all of this is about human mind uh is the last thing that hasn't been backed the up the last it's it's an anal, the last analog thing in a digital world and, right. the, and delos's goal is to back it up and make the human mind digital that's what all this is about. When he says, "Don't you see what's really happening here?"
1: Yeah, but the thing is, that's such a like confusing and complex concept. You know what I mean? It's a, it, when he explains. Welcome it, to I mean, Westworld. That's yeah, an but when callback. he exp- it is when he explains it. It's like uh, you're supposed to immediately get that, which I don't at
0: all. I do, I and mean, we'll talk as we talk through it. We can. I can drive it out of your little well, brain. Let's just keep going. Man, this is going to happen, by the way, because there's there's all this is so interconnected that we'll probably have to jump around. But here we go. We'll just get to the next thing. So Ford is pretty Ford knows now he's sitting here in the park and why he's doing this, like playing piano and like looking around and shit is because he's reveling in his creation. Like he says God did on a seventh day, aligning himself with God like he's done before. He's literally just looking and staring at all his creation, knowing it's going to be destroyed, Mm -hmm. which is what he's saying God did. We learned that the control unit Ford had Bernard make and bring to him was Ford's. That was Ford's control unit. So,
1: does that mean that outside of the cradle, there is an a Ford
0: host? No, somewhere. Nope. So Ford, before he had Dolores kill him, said to Bernard, "Go get me this control unit of myself." He got it, gave it to Ford, put it in, Ford put it in the cradle, and then Ford had himself killed. So there's currently no body of Ford that we are no, that we know of that is aside from the dead one with the maggots in the head. All right, all right, hold on. Let's try this again. What? <laughs> okay. The control unit that Ford had Bernard make, right? Okay. Control unit being the, the a, a robot body, brain, robot brain. Yes.
1: Intern Luke coming in hot. The control unit is the little red ball that we see like being made from like a couple episodes ago. You're, contr- okay. you're confusing host gotcha. and control thank you. unit. Okay, so okay, so, the, the little red ball that we see again in this episode, that is the existence of Ford at this point. Yeah, that's the control unit that he's talking about. That's his
0: little digital Ford brain. brain. Yes, it's a little ball brain. Remember, you got to be sterile. Take one out, Costa. That kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you, Luke. Because this man was so confused, it just like, there was no helping him. Okay, so well, except there was just needed to be done by somebody who wasn't you. I would have got there eventually. Uh-huh. but shouts to intern Luke. anyways, so now we know. I remember we said, oh, I think it's Arnold and and that, and that was the Arnold control unit and that was the one that Dolores was teaching nope. I was incredibly wrong here on all season long i've been wrong well just the way that ford explained it it made me think that what happened was a
1: ford robot was created that that was what was actually killed that ford was still alive outside of the park like all the things my brain ran with were just so fucking wrong yeah anyway so none of that happened as jared put it there is no iteration of ford that exists in body form outside in the real world at this point it's just the control unit which is the red little ball as intern luke clarified basically the computer
0: version the, the the digital version of Ford's brain I'm not gonna lie when you put it that way it's even more embarrassing that you didn't know what a control unit was because that's all of the confusion centered around you not knowing what a control unit was yes and like I didn't think I'd have to explain that to you my co-host on this World podcast I just it's bad that you're insulting all the other people out there who could be listening who might not have known the same thing I, and I think I think that they knew but I think that they respect that you didn't I'd love to hear from everybody who disagrees with Jared I would not <laughs> okay okay So that's, that was a big thing to learn because I thought that that was the Arnold control unit. And I literally said to many people, many, many people, there was no way that Ford would make a control unit of himself before, like he seems so guilty. He'd make one for Arnold before that. Yeah. You know, when you said that, uh, on the last podcast we did, I was wrong. I will admit it. Hand of God. Your boy was wrong. Whatever. Ford then says, don't you understand at last Bernard, what this place really is? And I was like, no, fucking tell us, Daddy. And? Bernard and Ford leave the Mariposa. Ford asks Bernard if he's ever wondered why the host's stories barely changed in 30 years. Bernard, like us, assumed it was to keep the host centered in their programming, to kind of you know make their identities more full and give them more kind of like basis in, in what they are. Nope. <laughs> Bernard realizes why on his own, without foretelling him, he says, the park is an experiment, a testing chamber. The guests are the variables and the hosts are the controls. When guests come to the park, they don't know they're go- they're being watched. We get to see their true selves. And so before this scene, we were like, yeah, and then they're using that for targeted marketing purposes like Facebook, right? We all thought that the whole point of this was to watch the humans as they truly are so that we can use that to like, do Facebook targeted ads and shit. Well, so what is the point? Well, Bernard continues, their every choice reveals another part of their condition, their drives, so that Delos can understand them, as in humans and the hosts, or the, the, humans and the guests, I mean, so that Delos can copy them. Ford adds on, every piece of information in the world has been copied, backed up, except the human mind, the last analog device in a digital world. All of this is to say that Delos's Project is to back up the human mind. So, all these guests are coming in, and, and with every new guest that comes in and every new time they come, they do something different. And they get to study how the human mind works because the hosts never change, but the humans do. Every time they come in, and with each new human, they're doing different shit. So, they have this whole humongous database of how humans act in every certain situation, and they can compare that against how a a programmed control host acts, and that helps them back up the human mind. So let's say, like, they now have hundreds of different instances of how a human reacts when a gun is pointed at them or something, or like, you know, when there's a prostitute who says a certain thing to them. That gives them all this information through which they can use to determine all the possible ways that any human could possibly interact with that. And why? What's the end game there? the back up the human mind. I believe that was William's question that he was trying to answer was can we back up, can we digitize humanity? Okay. I think that's the clearest way of looking at it that I've heard so far. Can we digitize humanity? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what it was. To
1: take all this from
0: the physical world and put it into the digital world. And not necessarily to create a sort of cradle, like not necessarily to create a world, just to back up Like if humans ever got destroyed, then robots could be made to recreate humanity. And it's like literally just backing up humans. You can't, it's not like in a host where like a host's backup, you can just go and literally remake the host and they're completely the same. Obviously humans aren't, aren't like that because we have fleshy bodies that disintegrate and turn into dust, but you could come back and recreate another version of humanity. That's very similar, obviously not totally the same. Yeah. Can we digitize humanity? Can we back up the human mind? Hodor. Yeah, that's great. Oh, man. That was, okay. Now it's only the first part of all this mumbo jumbo. Um, but, yeah, so Bernard jumps back in after the whole digital world thing and says, we weren't here to code the hosts. We were here to decode the guests. Ford says the humans are playing at resurrection. They want to live forever. He says the humans don't want hosts to become humans. They want they the humans want to become hosts. They then get into this very confusing conversation about free will. So let's get into this real quick. Ford says your free will that most beautiful most elusive force in the universe is as I told you a mistake. This isn't a new conversation that Ford is starting though. I know it kind of seems like it because they like changed camera like angles and like it seemed like a stopping point. It's the same conversation that we just went through with the Humans don't want hosts to become humans. They want to become hosts. What Ford is saying is that the free will that the hosts ended up having was a complete accident. It was a mistake. It was a side effect of humans' mission, spearheaded by William, to back up the human mind that humans just somehow stumbled into. They, they were trying to back up the human mind, and they ended up creating free will in these hosts on accident. And Bernard's like, oh, hold up, hold up. We never had free will only the illusion of it, you made Dolores kill you. And Ford's like, nope, I knew what she would do, but she did all of that herself. She is free now, you're all free. Ford is saying, confirming the free will of all the hosts. He just confirms it right there because he says he knew Dolores was going to kill him, but he didn't make her do it. Couldn't he just be lying? I don't think he's lying.
1: So all of the hosts are free now. To well, do whatever they want.
0: N- they're free. They're off. They're loose. They can now make their own choices. But this is where we're going to get into the whole talk of Ford's idea of free will. Okay. Um, okay. So in, in one second. <laughs> we need to finish this just conversation keep, just,
1: up. Yeah, break it, break it down.
0: So yeah, Ford says they're all free. Um, Bernard says that despite all of of this ford is still responsible for all this misery right yeah so bernard's arguing this is all you still yeah exactly he's saying it does like whatever we we have our own choices now but you're still responsible for all this because you set all this in motion and then he calls him out for hiding out here and cheating death um ford says nope i didn't cheat death not yet because the project doesn't totally work yet my mind works here in the cradle but not in the real world he says that in the real world he'd degrade in a matter of days or go mad like James Delos. As we saw James Delos do a few episodes back. So is the idea that eventually he would be able to
1: take that that control unit, that mind, and put it into a host outside in the
0: outside world, in the real physical world? The idea is not that the idea is that eventually he says not yet, implying that one day he'll be able to put himself out in the real world, right? Now that's what I gather from this. And wouldn't that be immortality, like the, the whole?
1: Because what what gets what's confusing for me is like, okay, is the end game to have a cradle situation where humanity is digitized and remains within that, or is it to eventually solve the problems that they had with the James Delos control unit and be able to have these walking robots that that don't erode and die like we do? with the uh, control units
0: in them of humans great question i think that the end game of this project personally is to back up humanity as a whole um and like like i said like digitize all of humanity so you go to the file that says like human open it up and like then see everything about humans now that's a great question though how much is this on a person by person basis is there a Ross Bowen folder inside of the Human folder? Right. That you can go I don't think so because there's no way you could duplicate every single human on earth. And, okay. and they're reasonable enough to, enough to know that, right? What are you going to come and scan in every single 6 billion? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So, that's what's so confusing about it to me though. But I think that the idea is that you can you can use that technology for that. There's also
1: this. We're not done with the season. We're not no. done with the series. There is going to be a lot of questions that continue to get answered. So, I don't want to get too hung up on the things yeah. that still don't completely make sense to me. Because, I, and I am sorry for forcing that to happen. I'll try not to the remainder of the pod, <laughs> but I am just saying there is still a lot up in the air for me. Like i I understand some of what was explained this episode, but I don't think we're supposed to completely get it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I well, how about this? What if, what if the idea is that they need a bigger backup of data in order to make let's say a james delos host function properly you know it hits a cognitive plateau maybe that's just because it doesn't have enough overall human data potentially maybe you know i what, just you know what so what was lost when the anyway dude, let's just fucking power through the episode and we can ask questions afterward okay ford then says he's in the cradle to make good on his promise of giving the host a fighting chance which I 100% said last week. One of Jared's theories confirmed. Hit the fanf horn, Luke. Fan, 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 famf. Great horn. Thank you. I totally said that. I said that he was in there trying to make good on his promise. Trying to defend the hosts from all the people. Trying to take him back. So just saying. I said that. Um, Bernard says, the promise of what? There's no escape from this place. You know that. Ford's response is just, isn't there? And then Bernard looks around at the town, which changes his view of things. I think that looking at the town let him see how far the hosts have come from where they were starting at as just the completely controlled uh, loop. On their loops, yeah. Yeah, loop folks. And I believe that let him believe they could go even farther. Bernard then asks, what the fuck is up with the Valley Beyond, dude? And Ford says that he won't give away the ending of his story. If he has a story that's playing out, how is free will a thing? Do you have free will if someone still controls your desires because you could choose to dissent, but it'd go against what you want? Now is the time we discuss this. What the fuck is Ford's idea of free will? Uh, this,
1: again, every time I started to kind of like piece together what might be happening, another line would be said by Ford. This one was the ultimate mind fuck, where I was like, wait, your story? There's still a story playing out here? Like, what? wait, What? So this is just what
0: screwed the pooch for me completely. I I have no idea. Is Ford... Here's the way I'm thinking about it best for how Ford views free will. It seems like Ford feels like he can change up all of the circumstances of reality. But as long as he doesn't actually make somebody do something, then they have free will. So what's confusing is like Ford... Let's say you're a host. Ford knows that you... Ross Bolin uh, are self-conscious of your facial hair, right? Okay. So he could like program a host to come and make fun of you, knowing that that would really, really anger you. Is that right? Sure. So your response to that would be to fight this man, to fight this host who's calling you out. Maybe. What if my response was to shave? Then you could shave, but... Emotionally, he knows that you're kind of a firebrand and that your emotional response will be to fight this guy. So, if he knows, if he can use what he knows about you to influence everything around you to kind of force your hand into doing something, do you still have free will? And he believes the answer is yes.
1: Yes. So, Ford believes that if I'm in this room and he sets the room on fire and puts a pistol on the table, that I like me making the decision to shoot myself rather than burn to death. That's free will.
0: I want to, This is like the movie The Button, right? Is that what the movie was called? I don't know. Where it's like you gotta press the button and somebody dies, and you get a million dollars. Yeah, or whatever. That Fo- movie was shit. Who cares? <laughs> is, is Ford just like he? It seems like he's forcing. People, he knows how people are gonna react, and he's putting them in situations to react a certain way. But because he's not literally making them do it, then it equates okay. making a decision with free will. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if all the situations he's created are making you like pretty much 99% of the way there to making that decision. The fact that you have the ability to make it yourself, which is weird. It just, yeah, I don't really see the point. I like, don't either. It seems like he's trying to say, you're alive, I swear, but then I'm going to change everything around you to make it so that you have to do this. Right. Which, I. it's very contradictory. And also, I don't think that all the hosts are free because they can still be controlled, like Maeve controls Lawrence's cousins.
1: I And I I appreciate that there is a caliber of human out there who might be smart enough to completely understand all this. That's great. Really, really happy for you. I don't think most of us watching this show have any fucking idea what's going on and on this, on the Ford level. You know what I'm saying? If there's layers to this shit, I understand much of the storyline and the plot points and the, and the timeline stuff, and that we're supposed to figure out when, and how all these things unfold. But if we're just being honest, from the Ford perspective, I understand very, very little of what he's saying,
0: what it means, what the fuck he's talking about at any point in this episode. And then to further the Ford contradiction of himself, how about when he goes into Bernard's head and then starts making him do stuff he doesn't want to do? Again, it yes, this is exa- I,
1: none of what he does in this episode from a decision-making standpoint like or morally i don't know what ford's deal is still i don't know if he's good or
0: bad i don't know what his intentions are i don't know what his end game is and i don't think i'm supposed to know so yeah that was by far the most confusing discussion we've had in the history of this it was it was it was a really tough five minutes to get through because it was like i mean it's
1: just i'm i'm begging people to not get too hung up on this because it's I don't think you're supposed to get it yet. I I agree because I don't think HBO and the showrunners assume that we are all genius level IQ who can decipher and uh, decode this and understand it. You know what I'm saying? Like cuz if they do think that, they're morons because most people are stupid, like we're idiots. We don't understand shit this complicated. Right? Like I feel like I'm a smart person. I think of myself as a smart guy and I have no fucking clue what's going on. So they can't possibly expect
0: most people watching this show no. to get it. We learned a lot of stuff about that would, like, that we had questions about, but we also got introduced to this entire concept of Ford's contradictory free will and how much is he how much is he in control? I thought he wasn't in control, but now he is but he's not because he didn't and, think he is. yeah And what makes it so complicated is it's like we spent much of the past
1: season and a half uh, thinking that the objective here, that the whole point was free will for the hosts. Now that entire definition of free will has kind of been thrown down the toilet in one scene.
0: Yeah. And it's like, Oh shit. Okay. What, what? And hopefully we'll get that answered for us. It's there's still a story. So here's the the last thing I'm going to say about it is this. Think of Ford as God, which is how he thinks of himself. He literally calls himself God pretty much in this scene. He is not capable of changing your specific mind on something. But he's capable of changing literally everything around you, and he knows all about you. He's omnipotent, so he knows everything about you, so he can technically change things around you to make you act to a certain effect. But because he's not actually forcing your hand at anything, except for Bernard, but that's a specific case because he's in his brain, he thinks that you have free will. Which is that's conceptually
1: like what the Christian God is. Yep, that is the circumstances that the that Christianity uh, revolves around. That God is omnipotent, omnipotent, that He has everything is predetermined, but also you have free will. It is very contradictory in its nature. If God knows everything that's going to happen, but yet you are given the free will to make decisions, how does that make sense? And that's kind of the same question we're being forced to
0: ask here. Yep. So that's it. Think of Ford as God. And that's really all you can do from this scene. But we did learn a lot and it was confusing as shit. But yeah, just remember, don't feel stupid for not knowing what's going on. No,
1: really don't. Because you're not, I mean, nobody has any, like, we're we're doing our best here to clarify it. And that's what we'll continue to do. But from the Ford perspective alone, I do not think anybody in this world right now
0: could explain to you exactly what is going on. I will say that this is the most difficulty I've ever had explaining a scene. It's the most difficulty I've ever had
1: attempting to understand a television show and it's not and I, I mean again I'm speaking specifically to Ford here. Yeah. Him if you remove him as a character, I thought I knew everything that was going on. I thought I understood the whole fucking thing. <laughs> but then you reintroduce Ford and all this bullshit that starts coming out of his mouth and suddenly <laughs> I have no idea what's going on on any fucking front. So what I'm doing right now just to keep the wheels glued on here is pretty much pretending Ford didn't say anything or appear in this episode <laughs> at all and attempting to enjoy
0: it from that perspective. Well, there we go. All right, we're just coming back from a uh, break right now, during which we paused the show and talked for about 15 minutes about what the fuck was going on. Nobody really had a clear answer. We still don't <laughs> we still don't know. <laughs> so, there you go. Cut back to Westworld where the man in black and his men are still escaping Ghost Nation. Ross brought up a good point that we can touch on really quickly. Why is the man in black... Why did he come back to the park in the first place? Yeah,
1: like if his whole...
0: I guess his role in this is that he's the one who kind of
1: kicked it all into motion. At least the original concept of it. William. He's the one who asked this question. William did. And William is the man in black. And now the man in black is just in the park. Like
0: running around doing shit trying to find the door. It's just... it's. My guess for this, for why William, who set all of this Delos research project in motion, came back to the park, aside from his whole wife situation, is that he's investigating the free will mistake that Ford is talking about. So he was in the park, and he saw the free will, he saw the maze, and he's like, holy shit. Oh God, that's that's not good. Oh God. That's that's crazy shit. I need to figure out all this shit and see what's going on. And that's why he is so engrace, er, engrossed with the maze and figuring it all out because he realized that a side, a side effect of what he's doing with the Dallas Research Project was the creation of free will. And then that leads into the door. And now he's like, oh, a new game. I got to figure out the door. Let's play a game called the shit poop. <laughs> all right. So look at that. Maven and her daughter are also escaping Ghost Nation and they're driven to the same village. Forward, you tricky bitch. But totally no free will involved here, right, Ross? Nope. Uh, or or free will involved here. The will isn't free. Or is the will free. But the free is will. So we'll, we'll leave it up to you to figure out how much uh, free will was involved in this super chance meetup. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Maeve and her daughter hole up in a little house in a position that looks incredibly similar to the position in which they were hiding when the man in black killed them, totally of their own free will. It's the same damn position. She's just wearing different clothes. Maeve tells her daughter that she'll protect her no matter what because she made a promise uh back to back scenes wherein people are talking about keeping their promises. Important to keep your promises, Jared. Very human of Maeve, except she was seemingly put in this su- situation by Ford. So <laughs> I don't just that's that's the lens you need to look at everything at. Is this is this real free will? Is this Ford's free will, or is this no free will? This is Zoolander looking into the rain puddle on the street saying, Who am I? That's a great way of putting it. Can we uh entrance can we get Everybody looking in a rain puddle. All of humanity. No, I, I do think the bigger thing here is
1: like it's really to get you thinking about how free will works in your own life. That's
0: the, I guess, theme of the show as of right now. And it worked. Yeah. Is Are you a product of the environment you're put into or are you an, an agent acting upon your It's one
1: of the great questions of humanity. It always has been. Philosophers have spent many, 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 many hours and
0: years and shit trying to figure this out. And now we've got this show just ruining it for all of us. We finally get the Man in Black Maeve face off, though, so at least they gave us something to not destroy our brains. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, seeing the Man in Black triggers a flashback in Maeve. The Man in Black enters the room, doesn't even see them there, uh, and then when Maeve tells him to leave them alone, Man in Black just spends the next, like, 30 seconds ripping into Ford for this being too cliche.
1: Okay, so to clarify what's happening here, the Man
0: in Black was doing what before he walked into this room? Uh, he was looking, him and his, and Lawrence's cousins were trying to like plan out a ambush of the, of ghost nation. They were trying to hide out and then like maybe look for some supplies and then kind of kill ghost nation. when they And came he into just the village. happened
1: to come upon this room. Just so happened where at one point in the past it is, we are, have been led to believe that at some point in the past he did murder, uh, Maeve
0: and her daughter here. Not in the same room. Different room. It's a, it's a different room. Same situation. Uh, the other one was Mae's homestead. This is okay. like a whole village. Okay. But very everything else is the same. It's a different building. Same everything else. Okay. And that's why he recognizes it as Ford's doing. Yep. He just walked into a room and literally saw them in the same position that he saw them that one time, and he's like, right. "Oh, come on, Ford." And uh, yeah, Maeve is like, uh, "Nope." I Maeve calls him of she calls Man of Black out for thinking mm. that she doesn't have free will. Then shows off her free will by blasting him in the right arm with her gun. She shoots him. Maeve tries to... Or Man in Black tries to flank Maeve, but the Man in Black is no match for her mind-control witchcraftiness, which is next to godliness. She gets into the mesh network thing and starts controlling all the other hosts in the vicinity. She six Lawrence's cousins on the Man in Black, and they just continue to pepper him with bullets. He gets
1: shot like four times here. Uh, look, the Man in Black is old, how is he alive?
0: He has a lot of uh, This is unrealistic. Think willpower. of it this way. Uh,
1: if you are near the age of 30-ish and you have a grandpa that's alive, imagine your grandpa being shot, if you will, uh, in the shoulder, the other shoulder, and then both legs, and now tell me that man's going to survive. This is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Sorry about your grandpa, by the way.
0: Yeah. Man in Black eventually says, "You made your point, Ford. We both know this isn't where you want me to die. Please stop shooting me." That's what he's saying. <laughs> uh, I will say that the Man in Black talking to, in effect, nobody while he dies would be very fitting, considering that's how he lived—just talking to nobody. Wow. Maeve says she doesn't speak for this Ford character, but that she doesn't care how he dies as long as she gets to watch. <laughs> yeah, I. Th- it. Uh... That's not what you want to hear if you're the Man in Black.
1: No, and he. he it's very depressing. Him attempting to carry on a one-way conversation with Ford,
0: but the thing is, Man in Black still thinks she's under Ford's control after all this stuff he's just been through. Isn't she though? That's the thing. <laughs> that's the, that, That's why. That's what is crazy because we were led to believe no, but now knowing what Ford said and the fact that William believes it, right, it changes everything. That it if if this scene. Had been the first scene we watched in the
1: episode. My understanding of it would have been completely different than the fact that it's the scene we see after we watch Ford say all that shit that ruins everything.
0: Exactly, because if we if it had been the beginning of the episode, I'd say, "Man in Black, you idiot! Understand that she has free will." Yes, but what a, now what a fool! What a fool! But now you're like, "Oh wait, what?" Like maybe you're right for questioning this, Man in Black. Yes, dude, that was that's just the best way of putting it. Is that the Ford speech messed up everything? In my, in my life, in my relationships, in my, with my job, I might get fired after this podcast. God.
1: It could happen. I mean, I just sat there on the couch after the episode ended for like 30 more minutes just staring at the
0: screen like, am I a moron? <laughs> Another of Lawrence's cousins grabs a man in black and distracts him while Maeve walks up and points her gun at him, but then Lawrence points his gun at Maeve. Maeve tries to get him to turn on his master with her mind, but it doesn't work. She's then like, oh, it's great to see you're alive. Um, and she switches over to using her words instead of her mind. And uh, that works. Maeve tells Lawrence to try and remember something about Man in Black. And he's like, oh yeah, you killed my fucking wife. And Man in Black's like, I saved her this time. <laughs> <laughs> Not a great attempt on his part. Yeah, Lawrence didn't like that. Uh, and then he says, you told me a man ain't real until he suffers. And then he shoots him. Shoots a Man in Black. Lawrence shoots the Man in Black. Again, he's being shot. Again. Uh, and he says, is that real enough for you? He's about to finish him off. This the, is a
1: shocking scene. Yeah, it, the Man in Black, for all we know at this point, is about to die. The, the what could be
0: arguably the central character in the whole fucking show is about to be killed. But then Lee Sizemore saves the motherfucking day, of course. Runs, rolls in, stable in the stable boy buggies. Lee. What stable boy Lee? Stable boy Lee. He's still wearing a stable boy outfit. Rolls in with the doom buggies. Uh, And then they shoot Lawrence and Maeve and Ghost Nation picks up Maeve's daughter. Not a great turn of events for Maeve here. Also shocking seeing Maeve get
1: peppered with bullets Mm -hmm. uh, and go down. Obviously the immediate reaction is like, are we losing Maeve too?" the other one of the other main characters? Like what the fuck is going on? And then you remember, well, they can always bring her back because she's a host. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: But is that the case? I don't know. Maybe she was. Maybe her stuff ended up being destroyed in the cradle at the end. Who knows? I don't know. Um, it seems like probably. If I'm being honest, because if if, they if were there's no MAV going forward, uh, what that huh? would be that would be bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it seems like it because if if Dolores destroyed that part of the cradle and she said we're free now, like maybe we know it was only a third of the backups from what Carl Strand said well okay but here's a question you don't need those backups
1: to make mave alive again right you just need to put her existing brain thing
0: control unit into another host body right is that why you're wearing that red hat right now make mave alive again is that what it says yeah ross is literally wearing a red hat that says make mave alive again. i'm really not but yeah i wish
1: i was but the do you see what i'm saying you understand my question the cradle is gone but do you need a backup Maeve's little hard drive in her oh, brain? great point. I don't know her control unit. Isn't it fine? Would yeah. you just need to put? Wouldn't you need to fix her physical body, and that's
0: it? Yes, I okay. agree. And then hit the Eddie Vedder horn, intern Luke, because hur, 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 Man in Black still alive.
1: <laughs> I love Pearl Jam. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you. That Thank wasn't you. great, but it was okay. <laughs> yeah. So man, <laughs> man in Black
0: still alive. He's leaning up against, like, a crate or something. Somehow.
1: Yeah, he somehow just crawled his way over to something, got some cover,
0: and he's just leaned up against it, just bleeding out of six holes in his body. Back to the Mesa Hub. Charlotte is pissed that this tech can't make her 15 pizzas in 10 minutes. She tells him to manually extract the control unit. Seems like this should have been the go-to a while back. Uh, Charlotte's an idiot. Like, we look, it was, like, 14% done after, like, a while. It's like, dude, Charlotte, shouldn't you just have taken this out right away and just kept it with you? Why, why, why did you need to copy it and, like, take it out and put it on a tablet? Idiot. Dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Dumb, duh, dumb, dumb, um, The The tech goes to fetch an extractor helmet, and we go back to the cradle. Bernard and Ford are walking up a hill to a replica of Arnold's house that we saw back in Reunion. It can be quite a thing, Bernard, to build an entire world and then watch it end. Again, a reference to how Ford knows the cradle is about to be fucking got. Yes. Um... Ford but also,
1: says, is that what he means? Yes. Is, in reference to the wor- that world being destroyed and ending, he just means the cradle? Because that's not... I mean, there's still a, much, a lot of things he created existing outside of the cradle.
0: Well, he said to build an entire world and then watch it end. Like, he knows it's ending. Okay. In my, in my opinion. Fine. Ford, you fuck. Um, I need you to see how it began. to see why you're different, Ford says to Bernard. Bernard says, this home feels familiar... Ford says it ought to be. This is the home Arnold was building for his family. Now this was some chicory. We thought it was familiar because he had some Arnold in him. At least I personally did. I was like, I think there's some Arnold in Bernard, and that's why it's familiar. No, it was really just familiar because uh, Bernard had spent a ton of time here training to become Bernard. That's yes. why it's familiar. Yes. Um, Ford says Arnold created everything while in the park, which seems like it's significant, but they kind of just—it's like a one-liner—and then he walks into the house. Bernard then remembers that this house is where Ford created him. Ford says he refined and tested Bernard here for many years, many, many years, before taking him into the real world. But he says that we did that. And Bernard's like, whoa, whoa, who's we? And Ford says, Delos' ugly little project didn't exist when Arnold died. The only thing I had left of him was memory, my memories, and hers. Of course, hers were much more complete. And then we see that those scenes with Dolores are Dolores testing Bernard, not Dolores testing Arnold, Ooh. as I had thought. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool little reveal here. Yeah. I was wrong AF about this. That's okay. Many people were. This is another example, this episode where in my running theory, if you say, hey, Jared, explain season two to me, two of my main central points got flomblobbed in this episode. Yeah. So, sorry guys. <laughs> so, uh, just to re- reiterate... When when Arnold died,
1: this project didn't exist yet. William hadn't spurred this project into existence. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, pre-Arnold's death, it was just Ford and Arnold attempting to create robots? Yes. So, they were just fucking around with making a robot theme park.
0: Yep. Uh, okay, so then, what happened? Um, Arnold died. Then Arnold died, and Bernard... After realizing that no humans could help like do the things he wanted to do with the hosts, he cre- recreated Arnold. And in order to do that, in order to make him as Arnold as possible, he used Dolores' perfect memory of Arnold to train him, to train Bernard to become as Arnold as possible. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Bernard says she knew Arnold better than anyone, so she could verify whether my personality was faithful to his. Ford says, I left you here together for many, many years Until finally you fooled her. Bernard says what we were were all thinking. What about keeping them apart and that whole weird effect thing? Ford says that Bernard's fooling Dolores is when the weird effect started. When he says fooling her, he means that Dolores believed him to actually be Arnold? That's a great question, and I almost guarantee we're going to see that scene of him fooling her later on. Okay. Bernard says, how am I different from Delos, from you? And Ford says, they want fidelity, Bernard a faithful self-portrait of the most murderous species since time began. But you and all the other hosts are something very different, an original work, more just, more noble. But your very nature, Bernard, ensures they will devour you, and all the beauty of who you are, of who you could be, will be poured out into the darkness forever, unless we open the door. The door. I'm sorry, Bernard, but you just don't have it in you to survive. It's my fault, really. And then Bernard says... You said the hosts could determine their own fates. You gave us free will. And then Ford says, I did, but you won't have any use for it unless I take it back. And then he puts his hand over his face or some shit and takes over. Uh, This is very clearly made to parallel the Dolores Teddy betrayal scene. Very clearly. Yes. And also, Ford's definition of free will has another little addendum here. In Ford's mind, free will can be revoked.
1: And it is, in fact, revoked here. He it, takes control of Bernard. He puts himself into Bernard. So this physical, what we see as him like reaching for Bernard's face, and we're like the perspective of Bernard, this is him entering
0: Bernard, exiting the cradle, if you will. Yep. Okay. So Ford knows the cradle is about to be destroyed. So he puts himself in Bernard and then takes himself out of the cradle. Um, and just to talk about it, so yeah, Ford's the free will. In my opinion, in my definition of free will, it cannot be revoked because that is not free. Yeah. That's like me saying, hey, Ross, here's my credit card. Go buy whatever you want forever, but I can take it back whenever I want. That's not free. like, yeah, it's all free up until it's not. And this then you is your, this for is your again. credit card
1: now. Take it. Use it whenever you want, however you want. And then you coming back two weeks later and being like, give me back that card.
0: Yeah and then and then i could also at that point be like you're also paying me back for everything that you bought while you had my card yeah so that's that's it's just another layer to this beautifulness ford revokes bernard's free will and uses him to escape the cradle i also get a lot of vibes from ford that
1: he has recognized humanity a lot of what he says a lot of the things he says like referring to humanity as the deadliest species or the most destructive whatever he said uh I, I get the feeling that part of the idea here is to wipe out the human race. That the human race shouldn't exist because it's just... All it's doing is ruining everything for all these other species and the worlds and whatever.
0: I can see that. And yeah. maybe Ford thinks it'd be less destructive if it was all just in a computer simulation. Right. Which it would be. Yeah, it'd be a lot less destructive. Um, so, yeah. Then you got to think about this. Ford, knowing that the cradle is going to be destroyed had a backup plan to get out of the cradle. Or not a backup plan. He had a plan to get out of the cradle before it was destroyed. Ford's plan. Ford's plan. Which you know was him bringing Bernard into the cradle. Which means that Ford was most likely behind... Intern Luke and I talked about this in that break I was talking about. Ford was most likely behind every little fucking step that got Bernard into the cradle. Everything we've seen in season two thus far right Clementine bringing uh right we wondered why he got dragged
1: over to that cave
0: and then like them probably going to the cradle then everything everything and that was a great thought of intern luke's you know intern luke adds so much to the show unlike stupid micah who jangles keys and slams doors like that was a great thought from intern luke we love you intern luke we we hope you stay past your internship i hope you dance We will not be paying you past your internship, but we hope you stay. Oh, intern Luke's here. Thanks. There we go. Boom. Shaka. Laka. Cut to Bernard's control unit leaving the cradle. Bernard comes out super confused, but also comes out to find that whatever was clogging up the system is now gone. Huh. Right? Huh. I mean, Ford was clogging up the system. Yeah, and he's gone. Because he's in Bernard's fucking dome. Yeah. Bernard and Elsie head out of the cradle since that's where the hosts are supposedly... Supposedly? Yeah, I think so. Supposedly heading. Supposedly. Uh, we learned that Elsie used to be a dental you, school student. are you using student. a V instead of a D? I've heard it it's both okay. ways. It's okay. It's been a long, long pod. I've heard it both ways. We learned that Elsie used to be a dental student. Thoughts? Nope. Shouts to Marquette Dental School. You know why. Who? Marquette Dental School in Milwaukee. Jared, Major I shouts. If got you, enough problems without you introducing weird jokes I don't understand. Here's some more shouts I have. RowdyGentleman.com is currently doing the most insane sale in the history of this, of our website. I'm not even kidding. So for those of you who don't know, Grand X Media is our parent company. Uh Grand X operates all these podcasts that we do, but also uh ManOperators.com, which is an online uh, men's retail site for clothes and a clothing brand called Rowdy Gentlemen that's just good times gear. We're out by the pool, out for going on a run, going to the bars. And right now, I swear to God, this is the craziest sale we've ever done. It is a warehouse clearance sale where we literally need room in our warehouse, so we're saying everything is very cheap. I I think pennies on the dollar is a good way to describe it. Yeah, there's shirts for like five bucks, six bucks. Prices are as low as five dollars right now. We have. $5 hats right now you can get three of our hats for $15 and all these low, low prices stack with the freeze promo code. I'm not even kidding. So you can get right now a hat for $5 and use promo code freeze, forget it for even less money. So check it out right now. We have swim trunks. um, We have Hawaiians. We have t-shirts. One Hawaiian that we have that I like a lot. Uh, is All of them Ross It's good I'm just going to read real quick $5 hats $10 swim trunks $15 Hawaiians One of them is an American flag Hawaiian Get that right now for 4th of July Unless you're crazy We have $5 t-shirts $8 t-shirts $22 long sleeves This, this is the cheapest you will ever find reality gentleman clothes And these are not like Imperfection ones We just literally We've had these in the warehouse for a while And we need to make room for our new collection So go check it out Use promo code FREEZE for 15% more off. This is seriously insane. I'm going to come after this podcast recording and buy everything. Just buy it. It's so cheap. How could I not? Do it, Jared. And speaking of Grand X Media, where you can do this amazing sale that we're doing... We're also putting on a crawfish boil. If you live in Austin, Texas, come out this weekend to the Grandex Bug Bash. It's at our headquarters. You can hang out with me and Ross. There's gonna be live music and a humongous crawfish boil. It's all for charity. You can check out our social media to uh, check out more information for you Austin, Texas people, which is not most of you, so we won't spend too much time on it. All right, getting back into it. Cut to Goldberg. Goldberg notes that the system has just debugged itself and that it's as if whatever was in there just disappeared. Huh. Hey, Bernard just said that exact same thing. (laughs) Uh, The security cameras are back online, and Coughlin watches as Dolores, Teddy, and some of her men head to pick up Abernathy. Cut to Charlotte and Stubbs. Stubbs gets so fed up with Charlotte keeping him in the dark about what's going on that he holds Abernathy hostage by pointing a gun at his head to get Charlotte to talk. Which she does, quickly. Mm -hmm. This is something she probably should have realized had a possibility of happening. But Charlotte is a moron. She's very vague. bunch of vague mumbo jumbo. Uh, which she kind of just spouts out to stall until Dolores' crew makes it to them. A uh, question about Teddy and his supposed lack of mercy. I see some mercy here. He should have just killed them if he was no mercy, Teddy. Just kill Charlotte. Kill, kill uh, Stubbs. But he, we find out later that he's he knows Dolores wants to talk to them. and that's Oh, why he we also do it. have
1: to remember that No Mercy Teddy actually doesn't have any free will because it's the free will that Ford thinks is free will, and that's not real free will. He can't just kill everybody because he's he's not free.
0: He can do whatever he wants, says Ford. Whatever. <laughs> We'll fucking liar! has Ford. Dolores enters the room and is talking to, to her dad when Charlotte interrupts with just a terrible attempt to take control of the situation. She goes, "What you and your friends have achieved here? Your friends? <laughs> like what? This is like a teacher." She's so condescending. She's like, "Oh, you guys did so good. This is so good. <laughs> your little friends." She, tr- Charlotte, truly just can't say any lines that I enjoy. Um, she tries to pretty much convince Dolores that if she and her crew, her friends, stand down, that humans everywhere will celebrate their newfound sentience. Uh, how? A parade? Is Dolores the Grand Marshal in a parade? Yes. The host overlord parade going down Main Street? Dolores asks Charlotte how to extract the key that was implanted in her father's head. Charlotte responds, you wouldn't know what to do with it, even if you had it. We've heard this before. With free will? No. No. With money. What? You wouldn't know what to do with it, even if you had it. That is uh, the Greyhound story. Oh, yeah. Dog chasing cars? Dog chasing a rabbit. Dog know. chasing cars was the mica story. It's the Dark Knight version. That was the mica story with the ammonia. I don't even know what you're talking about. You've, you've repressed I that memory? S- I have
1: suppressed that memory deep down into the depths of uh,
0: non-existence. Uh, repressed, you meant? I have repressed it. Dolores says, nope, I know exactly what I'm going to do with it. Which, oh, that's some evidence that Dolores has free will, right? Oh, yeah? Cut back to Bernard and Elsie. Elsie th- says she thinks they need to get up to the higher levels, but Bernard's a little preoccupied. Uh, this is related to why the systems are suddenly working again. Ford is no longer in the cradle, but rather inside Bernard's fucking brain, baby, in his control unit, up in there cooking cooking salad. It's Fournard. Fournard. Ford tells Bernard to send Elsie on her way because her suspicions are going to get in their way. Bernard makes up some BS about needing a vehicle. Well, at first, you'd think he's going to kill her again. Uh-huh. Luckily, That's not. That's what I thought, anyway. Bernard uh, sends her on her way with the vehicle thing. Uh, Elsie seems super relieved about this fake news that Bernard made up. Like, she's like, oh, he's totally right. I believe him, which I feel kind of bad for Elsie, you know? At least she's alive. Ford says, good. Now follow my lead. Um yeah. So no free will here. Very cool camera angles. At first he's a
1: reflection, then he suddenly is he, yeah. we're seeing like the physical embodiment of him when he's obviously not there. It's like we're seeing from Bernard's perspective.
0: Yeah. Very cool. And yet utterly confusing, but <laughs> still cool. Remember here that Bernard does not have free will because Ford took it back. So everything that's happening is is Bernard like Doing what Ford says. Yeah, but there's like weird variations of it. Like he's like, pick
1: up that gun and kill that guy. And Bernard's like, I don't want to. And he's like, do it. And he's like, I really don't want to. Like, <laughs> You're going to do it. I'm going to make you do it. Like, yeah. Well, we have just skip all the arguing and you know. just make him do it.
0: Well, maybe that's to an effect. Maybe that's part of Ford giving him real free will at some point. I don't know. Maybe don't my know. ass. That's a good point. <laughs> maybe your ass. Who cares? Cut back to Coughlin and Goldberg. Goldberg tells Coughlin they've got Hale... And Coughlin heads out after her. They in who the as in fuck d- is Goldberg? Goldberg is the woman with the glasses who who's on the computer the whole time. Okay. Um, she said so. Yeah, Hale is now in the custody of Dolores and Teddy. We hear on the radio that above the ra- the cradle, a team is engaging enemy mobiles, and then we cut to there. Clementine is going ham on Engels and his men, especially after they hit Angela. Uh, Clemenstein ends up getting shot and sliding down the glass kind of similar to how that guy she killed in Charlotte's demonstration slid down the glass. Mm Mm-hmm. Little callback. Angela runs off and Engels follows after her. Engels' vest is still reading Clemenstein as being behind him though. It's like lighting up. Possibly hinting at her still being alive. Potentially. I don't know. Who the fuck knows. Apparently you can just get shot a whole bunch of times and be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. man in black said it. Cut back to Dolores, Charlotte, et al., where the Ford is still in control of everything crowd is just hooping and hollering. Dolores references Ford's speech that we just saw earlier about how the humans are trying to become more like the hosts, despite the hosts being created in humans image. And Dolores says that the point of this project, or she says the point of the project, um, is that it's to make the, the humans more like hosts, not the hosts more like humans, right? She's, saying what we just saw Ford say. Yeah. Gotta think that this is part of Ford's story. You would think so. To explain to the humans his side of stuff Uh via a host. Yeah. Gotta think. Dolores then says, your chances at eternity will die in that valley with all the souls you've gathered there. Ford's first line this episode included the word eternity. Where is is the valley? The valley is is where those mountains are, the flood is, that's the valley.
1: That's the valley beyond? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so everyone gathered there is going to die. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And now that I think about it, is that where Bernard sent all of them? It is, because Strand says, looks like we're going to the Valley Beyond. Yep. But Hale is going there, too. Dolores told Hale, all the souls gathered at the Valley Beyond are going to die. And then Charlotte's like, okay, let's go there. Charlotte, as we know, is an idiot. Charlotte. Like you only you and Stubbs heard him say this. So Strand has no idea that he's going to die at the Valley Beyond, possibly. Holy shit. Yeah. So maybe crackpot theory, number one. When they get to the Valley Beyond, the hosts, because the humans want to be more like hosts, the hosts are gonna put the humans in their bodies and they kill them. Okay. And then and then the hosts are gonna live forever in a computer simulation crackpot theory super it's episode seven holy shit super duper oh man humans chance at living forever will die in the valley as they said so that's not great for humans dolores then asks charlotte again how to get the key out of her dad charlotte does not oblige she says the thing about ripping his ripping it out of his fucking brain um and then it makes sense that she wouldn't oblige because dolores just said that she's going to destroy the data (laughs) so like why would she give it to her I have no idea. Teddy asks politely to kill Stubbs and Charlotte. He's like, please, can I kill them? Can
1: I kill these people?
0: Implying that his mercy was, in fact, uh, for Dolores, like I said. But Dolores (laughs) doesn't respond. Charlotte says, you think you're invincible, but you're not. Without your backups, it's game over for you when you're killed. And we've got those backups sealed up tight, so you won't have them as an advantage anymore. Dolores says, our backups aren't an advantage. They're our chains. The tools you use to rebuild us, repurpose us, and trap us here in your warped fantasy. Do you really think I'd let that continue? This week's bad read of the Situation of the Week award goes to Charlotte Hale because Dolores is not going to the cradle to secure their backups. They're going to destroy them. And who's there to do just that? Angela. Welcome to Westworld, Angles. The hostess with the mostess. Um, did you know that Angela's cornerstone is apparently dry hand jobs In her bra. The hostess with the mostess. What in her bra? What do you mean? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I yeah. Angela is built like a Fortnite woman. Angela
1: is uh, this whole scene with her is, is one of my favorites in the
0: history of the show. Oh my god, Engels Ingles just got duped. Engels is so horny. Yeah, so incredibly horny. Oh man, you're pretty. That he can <laughs> be
1: that he can be swayed by what he knows to be a robot. Killing machine. That is the most horny man he's, in the show. He's, he's like, I might be
0: about to die, but also really horny. It's worth a shot. <laughs> Screw it. I will say right now, angles is hornier than Dustin because Dustin he never is. thought the host could kill him. No, Dustin's banging hosts that he thinks are
1: defenseless. angles is like, This is probably it for me. I see how this could play out with my death being the big ending, yet. My boner compels me to attempt to hook up with this extremely hot host.
0: Wow, idiot! That was
1: un- that he's just been hunting. He knows he's supposed to kill her, and yeah. he's like, I, I don't know. I really, she's quite hot, Luke. If I was Angles, I'm doing the exact same thing. Like, don't blame him at all. I'm not and, blaming him. I'm just, it is what it is. She, she looked hot when she turned around, and she doesn't have like the crow's nest hair. She, she always either. looks hot. She always looks hot. So, but yeah, he's
0: like, God damn. Yeah, that was. Angles got duped. Um, And then, you know, as you know, Angela pulled the grenade pin out and just blew up the cradle. Which, bye bye, Angela. First question what? Is Angela seriously gone? Angela's donezo. Because her backup is gone and her body is gone. That is very upsetting because she was probably my number one reason for being happy about this show at the moment. Well, sorry, she's gone. Damn. Abernathy then just randomly blurts out some old line about pain being cured by another's anguish. And Dolores is like, you're right, Daddy. I should cut off Charlotte Hale's head. (laughs) Yeah, what? Because uh, Dolores knows she's going to cut her dad's head off now because that's what Charlotte says. You got to rip it out of there. So She's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do that to him, I got to do it to you, too, because eye for an eye. Uh, Because my insane father said a random line. Yep. Uh, Except Charlotte Hale's head does not get cut off. She gets very luckily saved twice. Twice. Once by nearby gunfire. And once by Peter Abernathy randomly becoming lucid again.
1: This was shit. This was a terrible scene. Because uh, you wanted Charlotte to get her head cut No, it's not even that. It's just all in all, this was a bad scene. The the fact that she would have the, ra- the, the razor out, the saw out, mm-hmm. turn it on, be ready to decapitate or cut open, and then hear gunfire, turn off the saw and be like, Ugh, go see what it is. Totally unrealistic. Then it happens a second fucking time.
0: Yeah. The gunfire was coming from Coughlin and his men, and Coughlin ends up wrestling with Teddy on the ground, which just seems like a bad idea, Coughlin. That's not going to end well. It doesn't. Ashley Stubbs uses Teddy being gone as an excuse to finally try and escape. He knocks down the one guard Dolores had there. Only one, really? Like one, Just put two. That's all you need. He and Charlotte make it to an elevator. Do you think they went up elevator or down elevator? I don't care, frankly. It looks like Coughlin is going to beat Teddy... And he even says a great Cyanar line. Happy trails, motherfucker. Is it cheesy? It is. But it also is. his face is gone now, so. Yeah. R.I.P. Teddy happy trails the motherfucker out of him. Do you know how many times Teddy punched him? I counted. 14. 18. Damn. <laughs> I was close. 18 times. Dolores and her dad share some sappy-ass scene that nobody liked uh, before Dolores rips her dad's damn brain out of his head. <laughs>
1: uh, question. Is Teddy's fist... Of a similar composition as a human fist?
0: No. So this strong. is... strong. What? It's probably really strong.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um. Yeah. Oh, no. The control room is about to be breached, we find out. There's people banging at the door and shit. Oh, no. As that's happening, Lee returns to the Mesa Hub with Maeve and a bunch of soldiers. Then the PA system says that the control room has been breached, and literally everybody runs to join that fight and just leaves Lee alone with Maeve. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think he realizes that his side is very stupid. Yeah, uh, cut back to Bernard. This scene with Anthony Hopkins delivering a beautifully poignant line with this classical music playing—it's one of the best ones in this episode. Every any time anybody's dying and it's set to classical music, I just think it's great. This was cool, uh, and yes, we 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 finally see Bernard siege the control room. It happened. This finally. is this is it. Um, I keep telling you Bernard, it is no longer my story. It is yours. Is it though? Seems like it's your story Ford. You said it was your story.
1: Yeah. Guess what Ford? You've said so many things like this and then
0: totally erased them all at the beginning of this episode. You dick. Here's what I hate the most. I keep telling you Bernard, it is no longer my story. It is yours. You literally just said you had a story and you wouldn't tell us the end of it. What the fuck Ford? It's
1: kind of like the man in black just talking to hosts that we used to complain about. It's like, what is the point?
0: You just, who are you trying to convince? You know what I mean? Like, what? but I give Ford the benefit of the doubt. I think Ford is going to tie it all together and man in black. I knew he wouldn't. I think so too. But oh my God, am I fucking confused as shit right now about free will and how much Ford is in control.
1: So in this scene where we see all these guys getting mowed down in slow motion, with classical music or whatnot, is Bernard, it's Ford is controlling them through Bernard
0: controlling the guys shooting the guys doing the killing no i think they're just on they're they're they have the free will right now and they're 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 following dolores's orders okay okay you know what i'm saying how
1: is bernard raiding this room then
0: or what do you mean is bernard physically shooting anyone uh no he didn't shoot anybody in the control room he was just standing there while it all happened okay and Goldberg like stabs a dude in the face. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Bernard then initiates the general shutdown protocol of the Mesa Hub, which is why he came to the control room, okay. not to fight, but to okay. Okay. initiate general shutdown as a means of helping Dolores go from one world to the next. Ford says, "Oh fuck. Oh no." Back to Lee, who dips out and leaves Maeve alone there as Dolores closes in. Dolores sees Maeve's injured body and questions how this could have happened because she's like the person I know would've done anything to survive. Maeve says she was fighting for her daughter. Dolores says that Ken was just a way Delos was holding them back. Dolores, the, I just watched you cry over your dad. That,
1: this this thing with Dolores is very very weird because it's she knows that she explains it. Ken was just another rope to to tie them down. Well, then why go through the song and dance?
0: Who do you, who are you doing the song and dance for? My. Way I rationalize it is that Dolores, she can't help but feel emotional about it, but she knows it's the right thing to do. It's kind of the same thing with Teddy. Like, why go through
1: the song and dance yeah. of like making love to him in the field or whatever? You're just going to end up
0: discarding or using him basically anyway. It's like, it's just, it's just weird. Yeah. But I, I think she just can't help but be emotional because it's programmed into her, but she knows it's not real emotion. So, it, like, it somehow makes her more diabolical, though. Yeah, me. it does. Uh, Maeve claps back by asking if that's why what she did to Teddy was okay. And she's just like, bitch. Maeve says Dolores is lost in the dark. And Dolores says, the big line from this episode, when you've been in the darkness long enough, you begin to see. Which is true, and that is the whole point of the eye patches worn by pirates. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> the Pirates wear eye patches to have one eye accustomed to the dark so that when they go into the hull of their ship where there's no light, they can see better. So they have one eye for being outside in the deck and one eye for being in the hole. That's Eye patches are not because they got their eye cut out. It's, it's in order to see better in the dark, which is what Dolores is saying here. You merely adopted
1: the darkness. I was born
0: to it. See, Ross has hands over his face for the last 15 seconds and I thought he was going to sneeze, but really he was preparing for his Bane impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was waiting for you to shut the fuck up so I could do it. Dolores says she saw who she needed to be in order to survive and that's why she's done all this shit. Dolores also says she will kill Maves, so that the humans don't use her as a weapon against the hosts, but Maeve says no because of the promise she made with her daughter. Dolores says you're free to choose your own path, which are you? I don't think so, no anymore. Uh, and that she's sorry to see that this is where Maeve's path ends. This was not the Dolores versus Maeve exciting matchup we were expecting. This was this was disappointing. Lee is still hiding. Great hiding spot, Lee. Just they, standing behind a box. They didn't find you. Good, good job. Way to go, Lee. Uh, Ber- Dolores and her gang head out to the horses uh, Go towards the valley beyond I assume Bernard and Ford are walking through the mesa When two soldiers stop them Ford tells Bernard to kill them Bernard resists like Ross mentioned earlier But Ford insists And he sweetens the deal by saying What is about to happen isn't his fault Do it I don't wanna do it I don't wanna It's not your fault okay <laughs> Then he blacks out the hallway To make it even less like Bad for Bernard. Like, he turns all the lights out to make it, like, easier for Bernard to kill them.
1: Oh, why I want you to just close his eyes.
0: <laughs> okay, now close your eyes and just shoot wildly. I'm just... Like you're panic shooting in Fortnite. Just turn it a This circle. was cool, though. It was a cool cool visually. Um, I need a never-ending gif of just Anthony Hopkins shooting that gun. Like, I don't want the Bernard parts. I just want the Anthony Hopkins shooting. You
1: know what I like is how they show... It's like, it's Bernard shooting, and then it's like a, another light flashes, and it's like, oh, shit, it's, it's, uh, it's Ford. You see Ford or whatever? It's like, oh, man, it's Fornard. Ford, Fornard. It's, man, he's totally inside of him. It's controlling. Like, what? Yes,
0: we get it. We get it. Yeah, they did it a number of times, but I kind of liked it. it Look cool. Especially Anthony Hopkins shooting a gun. is cool. Yeah. Bernard proceeds to go through his memories like Charlotte asked him and then opens his eyes to Charlotte. We see that we are back in the interview. All that shit, and we're back where we started. Yep. We learned that Bernard's head has been querying itself for the last hour and is under siege. Is this Bernard trying to fight Ford out in his own brain right now? Maybe? Possibly. It's kind of what I took it to be. Um, Charlotte gets Bernard to say where Abernathy's control unit is, but Bernard says it while crying. Sector 16, Zone 4, which is apparently the valley beyond. Apparently. I think that Bernard is crying... Because he doesn't want to send all them to their death in the Valley Beyond. But Ford's like, do it. You need to say this because that's where I'm going to kill them. And he's like, I don't want to say that. I don't want them to die. And then Ford's like, no, you're going to say this. And then Bernard reluctantly says it while crying.
1: Yeah, I, see, this is the thing that's odd. is I don't get how this, there would become this conflict internally. Like a Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde type of situation going on here now.
0: Well, I just think Ford maybe can't totally control... Bernard or he doesn't want to. Maybe Ford is still like using the illusion of free will to like okay, here's the thing. Ask this? When we know. have seen Ford or any human being with full
1: capability control hosts in the past, we don't see the hosts protest. No. But this is this is the first instance of this where we see this in this conflict
0: yeah. being shown on the screen. And that could just be Ford toying around. Like Ford might have the cap- the capacity to yeah, who do it. knows? Yeah, it's hard to but say. But he's just trying to convince him to do it on his, on his own free will, like like how Ford likes to do. It's hard to say. Forcing you to do your own, your own free will? Yeah. Yeah. Strand says to prep the phased array so they can transmit Abernathy's data to a satellite as soon as they see it. it says they're going to the valley beyond. And that's fucking it. And that concludes our recap of by far the most confusing episode in this series' history. But yeah, not just this series. It's just television. I think so, actually. Like I'll say again, like I usually think I'm not a hero, but I think that I'm I can get through these and have minimal confusion on the part of the listener. Not anymore, bitch. I don't think I can anymore. This is a very humbling thing for me because I, I somewhat understand it, but I don't no, understand don't. all of it. And explaining something you don't fully hey, understand it's okay. is It's hard. It's okay. Uh, I've watched episodes of
1: Lost where I felt more confident that I know what's going on than I do now. So. That's pretty much
0: all that needs to be said. Bask in the unknown. Relish. Because right the now chaos. you need to relish in the chaos because it's going to be all answered soon. So tweet at us, DM us, leave comments. We will respond to you. I am at Jared Borderslow on everything. Ross is at WR Bolin on everything. Yeah,
1: hit me up with your questions about uh, what happened in this episode
0: so that I can explain it to you. <laughs> we are at Freeze All Motor on Twitter. Uh, you can go there for our awesome Westworld themed photoshops that's intern Trina does you can also go to at freeze all motor functions on instagram um you know what you you should follow me and ross on twitter it's our individual accounts you know we we i i I don't think a lot of you do and it kind of makes me sad you know and ross's team follow back (laughs) i'm not i'm not (laughs) uh you know what i will follow back five people (laughs) Wow, what a reward. Yep. You get, if if you follow me, I might follow you back. So there we go. It's time for the NPR style sign off. Freeze on Motor Functions is brought to you by Grand X Media and hosted by me, Jared Borslow, along with Ross Bolin. Intern Luke produced the show and also contributed to it. Special thanks to Phil from DC, a.k.a. Schnapple, on SoundCloud for our intro music, Brad Hess for our outro music, and Intern Serena, who does insanely awesome Westworld themed Photoshop work for us that you can check out on our Twitter at Freeze All Motor and Instagram at Freeze All Motor Functions. We'll be back Thursday. The hotline, if you want to call in and get on our Thursday analysis mode episode, the hotline number is 888-6-FREEZE. Call in. We're going to have some insane calls this week, I'm sure. We're going to get more in-depth about this whole free will discussion, I'm sure. This is not the last of our discussion of this episode. We have an entire new episode coming up on Thursday where hopefully we can all leave a little less confused than we are after this episode (laughs) because me and Ross are too. It's not just you. Uh, maybe we could have done a better job, but you know, let's just bask in the unknown. I'll see you Thursday.